Ask the podcast coach for January 26, 2019. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. It's that fun-filled music that not only makes you want to get up and shake your butt, it means it's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, the only podcast where you can get your podcast questions answered live. We are at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. If you want to call in, our phone number is 330 294 nine three nine three and today jim is out on assignment and i have I, we were talking about this before we started the one the only jurgen from uh podcast growth show.com jurgen thanks for uh coming on board buddy hey thanks for having me love being here yeah it's uh i i found you via i think i was playing with Castbox, and Castbox. i think i typed in podcast and uh, and there you were and then that led to, I think, finding you on YouTube. And then that led to, if I share my screen here real quick, the podcast marketing Bible, which is a, a book we were, we were talking beforehand. Um, Jurgen, you're saying this might be a little, a little old in the tooth. It's, you know, it's like a half a year old. So, you know, in podcast uh, timeframes, you know, it's, yeah, it's getting long in the tooth. No, really, it's that the podcast growth show, the actual um, podcast is uh, only a few months old. I've just basically launched it. And through the first season, some of the topics and discoveries that have happened, you know, really ought to belong in that book and they're not yet. So uh, it's time for edition two very soon. And you were saying the same about your book. You yeah, I, I wrote a book called More Podcast Money and there's no mention of Patreon in it because it didn't exist when I wrote the book. But uh, <laughs> I do like the book. If you want to check it out, again, Podcast Marketing Bible. Uh, and check out his show, podcastgrowthshow.com. Um, and your company is Polymash. How, tell us a little bit about Polymash. And I know you do web design and podcast launches and all sorts of other fun stuff. Uh, well, it's a, a very checkered history. I mean, Polymash really comes from the name. So I had a corporate, I mean, I started as an artist and a photographer. Um, then, you know, went over to the dark side into the world of banking where I was a programmer. Ooh. Um, I actually worked for Apple for a while. We, you know, we delivered what was called the consolidated payment method. And uh, that was a way to get iTunes developers paid across what used to be 50 countries. And we consolidated that into four or five regions. So that was kind of a cool project to be working on and being able to travel to Cupertino and so forth. But, um, you know, the, you know, I, I retired about 10 years ago and then started my own agency and that's Polymash. And the name kind of came from poly, which means many and mash. It's a mashup of many things because I hated niching down. I'm like a terrible nicher and I should be, you know, like everyone's telling me, well, you got to do one thing. You got to do one thing really well. And I'm horrible at that. I had too many interests, you know, from music to, you know, everything else. And so that, uh, grew polymash and um, yeah and so the growth show really came about because we are working for our customers and their content strategies um, and their lead development from a marketing angle and no one wants to produce content i mean the internet runs on content and uh, no one was willing to produce content but everyone loved talking about what they do and so we now help people do just that so businesses jump on the phone with a buddy and talk about what they're passionate about. And we turn that into uh, content. So we're fairly, you know, not just audio content for podcasts, but show notes, content, SEO, purposeful inbound marketing copy. And it's not, I mean, I'm, I'm mentioning the word marketing maybe too much here. It's not really about that, but it was getting some of our clients and customers who very, who were very averse to, creating their own content or ever writing a blog post or shooting any video, you know, somehow they glommed on to podcasting as a much more fun way to produce their content for their businesses. Nice. Well, we do have a question in the chat room. And again, we're at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live, or if you want to call in, it's 330-294-9393. And it looks like Clay says, I have personal issues with Instagram, join the club. I have an Instagram account. I think I have four posts on it. How much am I missing out on not having Instagram for my podcast? Uh, is it worth having a visual assistant manage Instagram? What do you think about that, Jurgen? Any 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 <laughs> thoughts on Instagram? Are you an Instagrammer? 
I, um, I'm, uh, I'm an ex photographer, so I love Instagram oh, for man. that, but I haven't properly, you know, managed to mesh the visual and audio versus, you know, web based type content. I mean, I think Instagram is awesome. In fact, we launched one show that's still in the top 10 today. It's called the MF CEO. And, uh, you know, that, that guy had, 400,000 Instagram followers. And by the time that he launched his podcast, it went to number one, like overnight. Um, yeah. you know, like, because so if you have a huge Instagram following already, or if you're doing something very visual, it can be an awesome, powerful platform. You know, the guy was genius at somehow converting the followers on Instagram into podcast subscribers, into, you know, signing up on his website and doing things like that. So. It can be very powerful. I, I just think that, you know, it depends a little bit on what your topic is. I mean, if you had a photography podcast, you know, that's a natural. Um, but if you're talking about, oh, I don't know, if you just have an audio thing, it's, you know, I've, I struggle with trying to figure out a good way for me to utilize Instagram because, you know, I don't talk about photography on my show. How about you, Dave? What do you think? Yeah, I, I it's one of those things where I feel like the only thing I would use it for is to say, hey, I've got a new episode out. Or I, I guess what I need to do is see how other people are using it. Cause it just seems like here's a picture of my niece's birthday and here's, and I'm like, okay. And, and this is where to a certain extent, imposter syndrome comes in. Like, does anybody really care that I've got snow on my car? I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, but I guess, that, so I guess I need to see those that are using it well what they're doing and then kind of mimic that. Cause at this point it's a little bit like Twitter in the early days. We're all like, wait, you do, you do what with it? And I get I, it, but I, I don't want it to be just a giant commercial. Cause that's, that's not a lot of fun. And, and dude, I, your lifestyle is just not enviable enough. I think that's <laughs> what it is. I, because a lot, a lot of the, you know, the people that I see on Instagram that you know, are also launching podcasts are sort of like, you know, lifestyle. They're like, whether they're into makeup or, you know, they're, they're like on, you know, they're, they're young people with like the fancy cars in, yeah. in club pub situations and that sort of thing, you know, so it can work. Uh, <laughs> And for me as an old dude, not so much, you know. See, that's it. I think a lot of it's going to depend on who your audience is. You know, and that's one of those where, um, like I just saw where Michael Stelzner, who's been doing a lot, of, he does a, a really transparent YouTube show called, um, mm -hmm. it's, um, mm, I can't think of the name of the show and that's going to drive me nuts. What, the social media examiner? Well, there's that, but he's doing a YouTube show about the behind the scenes of running it. Yes. Which he moved from Facebook, right? That happened. Did you remember that? Like a couple yeah. of months ago, he, you know, he, he basically had a big announcement saying, look, you know, Facebook yeah. is no longer viable as a video platform because the attention span has reduced down to 15, 20 second snippets. And we're not able to, you know, get the traction beyond that 15, 20 second, you know, watch time. But what we talk about really deserves 10, 20 minutes. And then they, then he moved it as to a YouTube channel, that one, right? I don't remember. Yeah. It's <laughs> called the journey. I just, I, like I know it'll come to me eventually. And what's interesting is I, I kind of pop in and out of that show. And he was saying there was one episode. I haven't watched it yet, but it was called um, goodbye to Pinterest. And that's kind of the whole thing this year is they're, they're kind of using what they did last year and they're politely and very transparently showing in this, this YouTube uh, show. It's not working this year. And they're calling in all these, ex these experts and things like that. And, uh, so it just may be a case where, you know, depending on who your audience is, they might be all over Instagram. They might be over Twitter. You know, they, they, it may be a case. I keep having people tell me I need to use Pinterest, like take your show art and put it on Pinterest and have it linked back to the episode. You'll be amazed. And I've never done it. Cause every time I go to Pinterest, I go, Oh, look at the pretty pictures. <laughs> and that's about it for me. Um, you know, and then, yeah, Jeff says the toughest thing about Instagram is you can you can only add one link. Yeah. And this is where I see a lot of people, I want to think it's like link.tree it's or linktree.io or one of those type things. It's a website. And what you'll do is you have the one link to your link tree. And then on the link tree, you will have like clearly named episodes, whatever, that people can then click on. So it's a way of kind of having one link that leads to many. And I actually saw somebody do that in iTunes where there, there was their podcast and you clicked on it and it, and, and the link tree itself, 
not the most attractive thing I've ever seen. Um, but it, it, you know, it works, but I was like, I was looking for a contact page and about page, you know, your typical kind of website. And, uh, it was like, uh, yeah, when you, when you go up, I, I think it's link.tree. I'm, I'm, uh, yep. They are link. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Uh, uh, chat room link tr dot e e yeah that's easy <laughs> I want that e domain yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's just one of those and how do you know you don't that's one of those where you kind of have to just kind of play and throw things here and throw things here and, and see where you get your engagement from and like for me and this is one of those is i i guess i get the most engagement because i play the most on facebook um, I found out mm-hmm. on, on Twitter, I get a little bit, but I did a very bad thing, especially last month with Twitter. I was playing with a tool called Recur Post. It's cheaper than, than Meet Edgar. And I was using social media jukebox, which is like $12 a month. And I could have sworn because I was playing with Recur Post, I had turned off social jukebox or what it used to be called tweet jukebox. <laughs> yes. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I didn't. So I had two automatic yeah. and I had people say, look, dude, you're just killing me with all these posts. And I was like, what? And I was like, Oh, Ooh, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to, uh, to just, you know, it was just nothing but nonstop. Listen to my podcast. And I was like, yeah, that, that gets a little boring after you've seen another post and another post. And, uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, with all these platforms, finding the right mix between self-promotion and, you know, and actually sharing other valuable content is, you know, is hard. And, uh, you know, especially depending on the frequency with which each platform, you know, sort of operates. I mean, on Twitter, you can flood it a little bit more easily. You know, on LinkedIn, you want to be very careful. And in Facebook, it just depends on the size and the annoyance level that you can have with your audience, you know. Um, yeah. Well, since she's in the chat room, the one and only Carrie Porter Bond, uh, I saw her post this. And um, we we often say here on the School of Podcasting, as well as on uh, Ask the Podcast Coach, he said, looking for the uh, the fun-filled, um, here it is, um, Ryan Parker. No one will punch you in the face. Yes, no one will punch you in the face. If you've ever started a podcast and then, well, life happened. Uh, Carrie put this in a Facebook group. She says, uh, I, and she has in quotation marks, I relaunched after a hiatus that had me so busy with paying clients. That's a good problem to have, by the way. Uh, I couldn't keep up with my quotation marks, fun work on my podcast. And at Dave Jackson, whoever that guy is, his recommendation, I didn't apologize, which is, I always love to hear that. Like you find a podcast, it's your first time listening to it. It's like, Hey guys, I'm so sorry. I know it's been, I was going to say Wednesday, but it's Thursday and I'm late. And you're like, no, do not start off with an apology. Uh, she says, I didn't make it a big deal. I didn't give an excuse. Frankly, I didn't even bring it up. So here she is. She's gone on this hiatus. She's coming back. She says, I just ate. And here's what she did. She cheated, which is awesome. I just updated the dates on my first four episodes to be more recent and publish the fifth one. Uh, no one set me on fire. No one called in for reinforcements. No one batted an eye. And the post I sent out about it, the local community have been sharing like crazy. She said she got 56 shares on uh, my podcast Facebook page that only has 300 fans. Uh, That's a huge percentage. She said, I did do a $5 boost. But as you can see, uh, the page reach was nothing in comparison to the organic. I have never boosted a Facebook page, but everybody I know that has says you might as well just light your money on fire. Um, she says, people have contacted me, didn't say anything about, Hey, why did it take you so long? They were like, wow, this was really well done. And we're so glad you're bringing light to this subject. So there you go. If you launch and life immediately gets in the way and you resize, uh, or I'm sorry, you realize you bit off more than you could chew when you launched. I'm here to tell you that no one is going to, to use the phrase (laughs) Dave always says, of course, no one's going to Ryan K Parker from foodcraftsman.com no one will punch you in the face. Yes. So there we go. I thought that was just a, a great story. You're going to, have you ever done the old Facebook boost a thing where you pay to get people to see it? Yeah. We actually have a whole episode in the podcast growth show on using Facebook versus Google versus, uh, you know, other sort of methodologies. And, uh, I agree it can be hard. I mean, what's hard about Facebook is, is to find podcast, you know, to target, uh, podcast listeners. 
And um, because, you know, when you're boosting a post, that'll go to people who are not necessarily past uh, po- uh, podcast listeners at all. And um, you have to develop a custom audience and go through some of the more advanced targeting options in order to, uh, you know, increase the likelihood that your audience actually consists of podcasters. Now, that said, you know, people will share content that's interesting or if you have, you know, great show notes that are share worthy themselves, if your podcast episode titles, you know, are interesting and sort of click worthy, you know, like then, you know, a lot of things that, uh, that influence that. Now we, we do Facebook marketing for clients, um, you know, not necessarily just for podcasts, but for, you know, everything else. So I've spent uh, $50,000 in Facebook ads this year on behalf of other people. It's great to get to play with other people you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and experiment a little bit. And so that's also a constantly changing environment, but just boosting something, um, you know, is, is pretty challenging unless you really sort of go into, well, you know, what, what are some of the targeting options that I might have? Um, you know, really delving down into the interests that your audience might have and setting up a proper ad. It's not that hard to learn, but I find that that's way more effective than just sort of saying, yeah, like just boost it, pay five bucks and, you know, and send it to whoever. Yeah, that's, uh, I haven't played with, I've just now started playing. I have somebody doing some Facebook ads for me and I went super hyper like targeted, you know, X DJs, blah, blah, blah. And And I'm tracking every link on the page. And she said, the good news is you're so targeted. You're like, your Facebook ad campaign is like, you're, you're spending almost no money. You're spending no money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's kind of a good thing. Uh, in this case, at least out at Facebook, I go out and I harvest uh, questions and I found this one. I went, Hmm, cause I have an opinion, but I always like to throw it out to the chat room. And this is from Jose. He says, how many of you have titled your podcast after your name? For example, the Joe Rogan experience, ask very Gary V or the Tim Ferriss show. I'm debating if doing this is a bad idea, especially for category SEO. And my thought on this was everybody he named had a had a following already. Gary V, Joe Rogan, you know, Tim Ferriss. Um, I I even I was trying to think about it. Jay Moore calls his more stories. He's a comedian. I'm not sure it's a great idea. Jurgen, what do you think? I, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with you on that. Is like, if you're, if you're well known in your space, I mean, I don't think you have to be as huge as, you know, Gary V or, but if you're well known or, you know, somewhat of a celebrity in your space, if it's a really strong personal brand thing and, you know, the rest of your website is all about you anyway, then maybe so. But otherwise I like, you know, I like podcast names that actually thread the benefit the listener benefits somehow into the name. You know, what am I going to get out of listening to this show, especially in this environment where we have, I don't know how many, what's the counting number of available podcasts out there now? 900 and something thousand? It, yeah, it depends. Uh, it's anywhere from 650 to, you know, someone else was like millions. And I'm like, wait, hold on now. But uh, yeah, and then just open iTunes and look through the, you know, the the icon sets and you see, how many people are sort of doing this personal branding thing. And, you know, the benefit is like in tiny letters, you can't even read it, you know, with coach Marie or with, you know, with, uh, you know, yeah. So that I would, I would emphasize the benefit over the, you know, over the personal branding and especially maybe an SEO, although SEO is a, you know, that's a pretty competitive space anyhow. Yeah. The, the, I would think the only benefit is if, you meet somebody at a trade show or you're somewhere and somebody, you get to tell them what you do. I, you know, I do this and blah, blah, blah. And I help people do that. And they're like, Oh, I I would like to know that guy in theory, when they type in your name, you should come up now. Of course that should come up from your website. Even on iTunes, if you look, it should come up anyway because of the author tag. So yeah, Yeah, I, I think it's, to me, it's kind of a, like Kleenex right now is, you know, that's the brand for facial tissues, but I'm sure when they first came out, people were like, wait, what's a Kleenex? You had to go through that whole thing <laughs> and it's just not going to be, I think you're, you're, you're putting a hill in front of you. So I, I, I see that and I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you just, you know, you're going to be your brand anyway, in a way, if, if you're a, a consultant or things like that, you're going to end up being the face of the brand anyway. I think it's a, uh, a little overkill maybe to uh to name it after yourself. Um 
here's another one that I, I see a lot of. This was from, I guess it's, it's a fun part. I always end up with these, these questions of people's names. I can't, I'm going to call it Ria. It's R I A H. Yeah, we'll go with that. She says, where do you find inspiration for podcast episode topics? I've been procrastinating recording my next episode because I'm unsure of a topic. But the thing that really floored me about this was her show is about sex and relationships. And I was like, wait, how do you run out of topics when you're talking? Because there's the whole men versus, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. You know, I'm from Pluto. And then you throw in. So that's just relationships. Then throw in sex. I'm like, wait, how can you run out of topics? But uh, you're going to have you ever run into. um is there such a thing as podcasters block, you know, where you're like, mm, <laughs> I'm not sure what the next episode's going to be about. Yes, totally. I, I, I can, I can relate. I mean, I, you know, like, but and then of course my social isn't about sex. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but we, you know, we have a very, you know, kind of geeky strategic way of actually solving that issue. And that is, is that we are very, for, for when, when I say we, you know, the, the folks that whose podcasts we produce or that we help. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really about a strategy either for the entire season and to really think way ahead and do some planning. And what we do is SEO research. So because our show notes are such an integral part of discoverability, we get, I mean, the podcast growth show, my own show is tiny. It doesn't have that many subscribers, but I'm getting clients from it. Why? Because 65% of my traffic comes from Google search from SEO optimized show notes and from SEO optimized titles. And that takes planning. So that doesn't mean I can like sort of sit down and, and sort of at the last minute try to come up with an idea. And so it's marrying the, the approach that we take. And I know this isn't, it's not applicable for everyone, but the approach that we take is actually we go into KW Finder and tools like that and actually in a general interest area, explore easy Opportunity keywords, meaning keywords that people search for. Downloads for being. Sorry about that. I put my hand down and I hit my iPad. Sorry about that. But so, make a long story short. I think that um, you know you can if you plan ahead of time. You know the long, the more ahead of time you get with this, uh, you know the more ideas you have to choose from. And the way that we do it is then actually look for the SEO opportunities in that as well and plan out 10, 20, 30 episodes. And you can, you know, even if you want to switch up and change topics from week to week, you can usually select, um, you know, from that list of potential episodes that you had made sometime in the past. So I'm not sure whether that's helpful. I mean, it's just the way that we do it. Well, what do you, what's your, what's your process? It, it's funny. When I was, uh, I was watching your YouTube channel this morning a little bit. And like I said, I've been listening to your show and, and everything like that. And it's interesting how in some cases, I think we love to listen to people that we agree with. Like, because I was sitting there going, yes, tell them that's it. And it seems like while we're, you're not, obviously nobody's going to ignore Apple, but you seem to be focused on, Hey, you know, there are people, there's this little thing totally. called Google that people seem to use a lot. And if I can get good keywords, great show notes, people are going to find me through, you know, they'll just go out to Google and like, I'm looking for a cooking podcast. How about I go out to Google and type in cooking podcast and see what comes up because so many people, and I understand, look, Google's got, or Google, uh, Apple has what, 60% of the market ish, depending on who you talk to. Um, and the, the fun part of that is I have people working at Libsyn that get upset because they put in all this information for the Apple podcast app. And then they'll look at their show in the old iTunes software. And I think it's somewhat weird that the iTunes summary area that you put into, let's say Libsyn does not actually work in the software called iTunes. That drives me nuts. Um, so I, I, I'm, I don't want to bash Apple, but there are times when I'm just their search and everything. And, and plus they've got a ton of podcasts in there. And I'm like, well, let's go the other, let's see how else can people find me besides looking at iTunes? Oh, I know Google. And that seems to be your, your kind of strategy. Again, not to ignore Apple, do what you can to, to, you know, keywords or whatever titles and authors and things like that. But is that more or less kind of your strategy is to, yeah, like, look, this is a, you know, this is probably a five episode rant if we were to, (laughs) you know, if we were to do it true justice, but really the discoverability on Apple has been an issue for us, you know, because we, you know, I, when I first started Polymash, we were an app development company and we produced, you know, I, I developed 
I think we had about 10 apps in the iTunes store um, for iPhone and iPad. And, uh, you know, we built apps for other people as well. And uh, so we were even dealing with the discoverability issues, you know, way back then, uh, meaning that it's very, very tough to compete in this environment where you've got, you know, 500,000 apps, I think it was at the time, and now 900,000 podcasts. And, you know, they're changing their search algorithm. So to just over-rely, I think just people are over-focused on, on iTunes as the way to be found. And uh, really what the podcast growth show was about was exploring all the other ways in which you can grow your show that don't rely on iTunes. I don't want to say at all. I mean, like I said, I, I do think it's, it's important. Sure. But, you know, like that's why we're very show notes centric. We're very web design centric, you know, like the, the way that your podcast homepage uh, is designed. There's a guy in Tennessee, um, uh, Brian Harris is his name, and he developed something called the upside down homepage. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, just I, mainly because I listen to your show, but I, I uh, so you've come across it there. Okay. Yeah, but it was something else. It, has it ever been called like the upside down skyscraper or something? Or I forget. I, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts, but go ahead, tell us what the upside down uh, website is. Well, so the, the the upside down website is sort of a conversion optimized layout or design pattern for a website layout, and I, you know what we did is we sort of adopted this for podcast homepages. And this is why I want to bring this back to the iTunes discussion. A lot of people have a subscribe on iTunes button as the very first thing on their website. And, you know, so you, you go to their website, you discover their podcast. And the very first thing that they want you to do is send your traffic over to iTunes and then, you know, spend the rest of your time there. So, or people have 15 menu choices on top of their podcast, leave a review, contact us, do this, that, or the other. So what Brian Harris's design pattern is design, is designed to do is to actually guide people through an experience and through your website in a more sort of orderly fashion or in a fashion that you get to make sure that your best content is highlighted, that your best episodes, you know, come to the fore and that people can self-select their journey through your site and self-select, you know, what they want to discover about your podcast. So he has, so the header of the site has no menu on it. And that's what, that's why it's called upside down. The menu of the site is on the footer, you know, like that's an oversimplification, but if you just have the header of the site and then you offer people the topics, maybe the seasons, you know, one way to, to structure this is to have season one, season two, season three. I've seen a few people do that. I think, um, oh, that guy, history podcast. I can't remember his name. Dan now. Carlin? Uh, not Dan Carlin's, um, you know, one. Um, this is another one. I'll I think of it in a minute. We'll come but, you know, we'll come but um, you know, but basically, you know, like when you go to the homepage, you know, there's no menu. Uh, you start, start to scroll down, you see some of the best episodes from season one, or you see an explanation of this was season one, this is season two, this was what through season three was about. And, you know, then you come to sections that have what's called pilot stories, where you really, you know, sort of have a benefit driven explanation of what to expect from that season, why you did it, what people can get from it, from listening to it. And, you know, that is a lot more engaging. And guess what? Google loves that as well, because the time spent on the page, the fact that you're not bouncing, um, you know, there's a little plugin on WordPress, uh, you know, that's called reduce bounce rate. And it actually communicates with Google as you're scrolling down so that even if you just ever look at the homepage and then you jump off, it doesn't count as a bounce once you start scrolling. Um, you know, and so all of those things can actually help to improve your authority, the ability in which you're, you know, the ability for your site to be found and the ability for Google to basically start ranking it a little better. Nice. Um, so yeah. that's, you know, the, the point of that being really, you know, like don't send people off to iTunes right away and, you know, use your website to, you know, to start building email lists. I mean, that's, I think we've, we've talked about that in the past, Dave, you know, it's like, I would rather have 100 email subscribers to my podcast than a thousand iTunes listeners who I don't know, you know, who I can never communicate with again and yeah. who I'm not sure whether they're actually doing anything, listening to anything or, you know, that are basically anonymous, you know, so it's, it's, I call it like going on a blind date and never asking for the other person's name. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, and, and especially if you're using your podcast to promote a business, 
that's the way to go. And that's where um, I've just, I've always kind of known this, but I've just, you'll hear going forward this year, you're going to hear Dave start coming out with some lead magnets and things like that. Um, I've, I've started working with some people and they're like, yeah, what what are you doing? Where's your email list? And I'm like, Oh, it's this big. And they're like, yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, the other thing I see is I, I always, I don't laugh. That's not the right phrase, but I kind of go on one hand, I get happy because I'm like, Oh good. This is low hanging fruit is I'll have somebody contact me. Hey, David, I'd like to work with you. Uh, let's tweak, let's make sure my content's good. And I want to, grow my audience and I'll go there and they'll have a, a really small one link only to Apple podcasts. And I was like, uh, when I was over in Australia last year, I found out that 80% of Europe is on Android. And I'm like, so when you're sending out on social media, Hey, go to my show and you're not sending them to your website, which I, that makes me scratch my head, but even worse, you're sending out one link to Apple. And I'm like, ugh, why not send them to your website? where they can subscribe on whatever they want, or, you know, they might see a pop-up that says, Hey, come get Dave Jackson's new podcast gear guide, which doesn't exist yet, but it is in my head. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. And I mean, I think that the upside down homepage, and by the way, that was episode five, I believe. Yeah. So it's podcastgrowthshow.com slash E5. If you want to check out the design pattern, which you can download in an annotated PDF format in exchange for an email address, right? So it's that sort of thing that we try to, Build in, and I think that the upside down homepage emphasizes that right up front. So the primary objective is to collect an email address and provide some value in return. The secondary uh, um, objective is to tell people ab- about your show and what it's about, and to sort of get them connected with what they are interested in, a guide a journey through your content, so to speak. And you know, and the the links of where you can find the show, and you know, subscribe and listen to Android, iTunes, or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever, they're kind of at the bottom. And uh, you know, so it's you know, you kind of it forces people to scroll down and at least have a chance at you know being exposed to the content that you're most proud of as a podcaster. So I I don't think this is a tricky or slimy. Way of, of, you know, this is a way of serving your audience in a better way because they get to self select what they're most interested in. And along the way, they're getting to, um, discover, you know, more about what, what, what rings the bell for them. Yeah. It always, um, for me at least, um, I think it was last week, I felt bad. These poor kids are freezing to death. Um, and it was the Boy Scouts trying to sell me popcorn. And I was literally like, as I walked by, they're like, want to buy some popcorn? And I was like, whoa, who are you? And I'm like, oh, it's the Boy Scout. So I I knew the backstory, but it's weird to just walk by somebody and go, give me some money. And I was (laughs) like, oh, it's the Boy Scouts. Okay, I know. And then it. And then it was like $20 for a box of popcorn. I'm like, is this popcorn dipped in gold? I'm like, holy cow. But uh, do you... um, in, in your travels, uh, Darwin in the chat room here. And again, we're at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. Uh, Darwin asked, do you think most people even consider their international audience? Cause I know when I talk to people that are not from America, they love to point out, and it's true. That's why they pointed out that Americans are kind of, um, American centric. We forget that there are other people on the other side of the pond. When in your travels of helping your clients and all, do you think international? No, guilty as charged. I have to, I have to admit, I think, well, we have international clients, you know, so right. we've got a cooking show in Australia and, and, and things like that. My wife's from Australia. So we've got, you know, some connections there, but, uh, but yeah, guilty as charged. And I think that GDPR hasn't helped, you know, I'm hesitant to, um, you know, to, to think about whether I'm really compliant with all of the legal requirements of offering services or, you know, having a website asking for an email address in Europe. Uh, versus here. Um, then looking at the Facebook ad, for example, you know, there too, often people geofence that to the United States only or, you know, more or even to smaller regions. So I think, um, yeah, I think Darwin has a, has a point. I mean, I think it's, sh- you, sh- we should consider those audiences. Now, I don't know, Dave, do you, would you consider having your website available in multiple languages, for example? You know, what does this look like if we were to do that? Right? See, that's a good question. Cause it's like, where does that, where does, cause there's different versions of that. I mean, one of them is to quit talking about Thanksgiving or 
Valentine's Day or something that's very, you know, U.S. specific. And then there are other things. I mean, that's a whole other level. Do I translate my website? Because that's the problem. For me, I would say I'm not going to translate my website because not that I don't care about people that speak Spanish or German or whatever. But let's say they I translate that, but I don't translate my videos. Well, that's not going to work. They they read all the great copy. They sign up there in German and they show up and there's some old white guy talking English in a video. I'd have to have I'd have to have a whole other version of that. So I think that's why I don't translate unless. But see again, the American in me doesn't realize that a lot of people on the other side of the planet are not like me, who speaks all of one language poorly. I might add, a lot of people on the other side of the pond speak multiple language because of the stupid Americans who want everybody to speak English. Yeah. But I think that's a, this ethnocentricity that we suffer from is, you know, it's something that it's not something to be proud of. I mean, I think that if you're launching a podcast abroad um, and especially if your podcast is in English, you're much more likely to target American audiences as well and, you yeah. know, and, and do things that make sure that your listener base is as wide as possible. Um, you know, do we do that in return? Um, yeah. I'm not sure. You know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm from Germany originally, so, you know, do I take special care that my episodes are understandable, discoverable in, in Germany? And then, you know, Apple and the regional setup between their podcast and iTunes doesn't help either, you know, in terms of how your podcast is distributed abroad and visible there. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's holy cow. I told you this always goes quickly. Uh, what I like to do about the halfway mark is uh, just take a quick second to thank some of my awesome supporters, if you go out to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome, uh, you can see uh, some folks there. And I'm talking about really cool people like Josh Liston from onthebubblepodcast.com, Greg from debtshepherd.com, where he teaches financial wellness, the one and only Jonathan Bloom, who hit me up on Facebook. I'm like, did you see that the Road Podcaster has individual tracks? Maybe we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, he's over at weeklyawesome.com. Glenn the Geek Hebert, who I will be seeing uh, shortly in March down at PodFest. You can find Glenn over at horseradionetwork.com. Josh Rivers over at podcastingexperiments.com. Max Tretz Scott up there in the air at aviationnewstalk.com. Uh, Shane from spybrary.com. I need to touch Shane. Shane has the coolest because of my podcast story in the works. It's not quite done yet, but I got to reach out to him today. Uh, she's in the chat room. You know her. You love her. Carrie Bond from keywestperspective.com slash podcast. And my buddy Ronsley over in Australia at uh, the Amplify Media Group. You can find him at mustamplify.com. And if you'd like to be an awesome supporter, simply go out to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome but yeah that was the big news this week everybody uh i'm using one right now the uh the road and this is where all like it's the road pro wait no the 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 pro cast wait what it's the roadcaster pro if you want to check it out go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash roadcaster and of course road is r-o-d-e so when you have to spell it you know you're in trouble but they announced this week that uh, I've been playing with this thing. It's it's basically, it's a mixer. I'll bring my camera over here, uh, but it's a mixer. It's got a jingle palette so I can play fun-filled rim shots. And I can, right now, if you wanted to call in at 330-294-9393, I've got you tied into the, the phone line here. And I've got multiple headphone outputs and things like that. And we all said, hey, wow, this is a really cool thing. It is a little pricey. It's uh, $600. But we, some of us that are a little control freaky um said it would be really great if we had individual tracks and apparently somebody at road heard and said hey guess what's coming in february through a firmware update individual tracks and what's interesting is already this thing is hard to to kind of get there there i know with b and h they are on like get notified when these are available so they're kind of sold out i don't think they're available on amazon anymore if they were at all uh, Sweetwater, I think they're out. So I'm like, wow, this was a really hot item before they had individual tracks. Um, you know, now with this, I'm like, oh, this could be one of those things like a Cabbage Patch doll or insert hard to find toy at Christmas here kind of thing. Uh, Jurgen, what's your what's your favorite hardware of choice when you're when you're recording stuff? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, I'd love to get one of those actually, and you know, but I, I haven't quite justified it yet. But one of the reasons was the, uh, you know, the, the inability to record uh, separate tracks, and I think yeah. the firmware update is great for that. 
but, uh, but yeah, like, and we, you know, every once in a while we get hired to go on the road and actually do on location recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, so would you take this on the road with you for that? I think absolutely. Right. Yeah. The, the thing that's nice about it, it, it's a little bit like, and it's always one of those things that depends on what you're doing. Cause on one hand, I would say, well, go with a zoom H six and you can record up to four people on that individual tracks. But now you've got to have a handphone amplifier, you know, if you have multiple people, um, and if you wanted to bring your, your music and such, well, okay, now I've got to bring an iPad, you know, depending, and this is kind of all in one. So it's not as compact as a zoom H six, but you know, or if I think about the person, you know, that, that's like, Hey, we're going to record in the basement. Oh, wait, my computer's upstairs. Okay. Well, you don't need a computer for this, or they want to go record in a bar. So it's, it's kind yeah. of a toss up between the H six and this. Um, I can't remember. I think the H six is. I want to say four hundred dollars. It's not cheap either. Yeah, a little lower now, but still, you know, like, and I think the ease in which you can take other calls and you know, and, and yeah, basically connect uh, those things are, you know, on the H four. I mean, that's you know, Road has, you know, they've they come they've come out with a number of like mobile enabled solutions. You know, mm-hmm. they, they I think they came out with a you know dual um, lavalier mic setup. Um, yeah. for recording and you know with their app earlier i mean i've got like a big mackie 24 you know i used to have like this huge you know ton of bricks kind of mixing console um and now the you know the, they've gotten lighter and lighter and i take the mackie 24 on the road you know if we need to do an on location type show uh, but that's still heavy and it's still bulky and it's still, you know, it's, it doesn't travel well, you know, it doesn't have a case. It doesn't, you know, I have to put it back in its original box. And, you know, so I, I just, you know, I like this. I, you know, I like the, um, I still can't remember, I still can't pronounce the name of it. Road, the Procaster, is it? No, it's Roadcaster. Roadcaster. Roadcaster Pro. It took me a while to, to- <laughs> It's just like you just take row pro and cast and mix up a bunch of mix them up randomly and you've got the whole product line. I don't think it's a good idea because people get confused. I find it confusing. Yeah. Uh, and then I know they just came out with, and I, I can't remember the name, but there's some sort of new podcaster mic that they just came out with. Uh, I know that it's, it's supposed to be designed for podcasters. Um, it's like the, the pod mic or something of that. So fun. Here it is. The pod, pod mic. mic. Pod mic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what that's. Somebody said it's not super expensive, but it's kind of, I noticed that the, um, if we're going to get our geek on the frequency range is 50 Hertz to 13 Hertz. So it doesn't go quite as bassy as something like the proverbial. High PR forty, or which is kind of a good thing, but it also doesn't go as high end ish, if that's even a word, uh, as something like the RE twenty. So it's not. I'll be interested to hear what that sounds like. Which sounds like it's geared towards the human voice without being the phone. Um, so I see you're using. Is that a high PR forty? Yeah, that is. There we go. Oh, I said the magic word. I have. It's a thing we do here. <laughs> um, what are you using for? It was a gift. That, that's the best part uh, yeah. uh, from a client. When um when you do your YouTube stuff, I always see the PR40 in the shot. Is that actually what you're using for the the audio? Because I'm always amazed because you're you're not right up on your mic. You're you're kind of back a bit and you're talking to the camera. Do you have another shotgun mic, something that's pointing at you for your video? Or oh, but, you know, I think part of it is sort of the well, it's a Logitech that you know the the Logitech C920, you know, with the kind of a wide angle. Or C922, I think it is now. I've got a 920 and a 922. The 920 I've got for like this little um, teleprompter device that I'm using. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I'm using that, but it's going into, um, it's going into a, a couple of tools on the Mac loopback and audio hijack, which sort of does the internal routing. And that allows me to actually uh, apply some of the effects and do it cue and do a little bit of compression before recording it. Because the issue with recording on YouTube is, is that I, I don't want to mix the audio together after the fact. So, you know, there were a number of challenges in trying to produce a video based show, but still get that podcast quality sound out of it. And uh, that's, that's the solution that, you know, that we, you know, that we came up with and the whole geeky breakdown of how, you know, of our workflow is actually in, in, in an episode, in episode nine, of the podcast uh, growth show 
and that explains all the tools that we use. I don't, I'm not that happy with the results. I mean, I think it's, it's okay. Um, you know, I think it's still recording on an H6 and, you know, post doing it, doing yeah. some nice post-production. You can't beat that. Ever. Well, um, somebody in the chat room mentioned, what was the name of the, the plugin you mentioned about, is it just reduced bounce rate? Yes, I think that I think that's what it is. Let me look it up real quick, while, and I paste it into the okay. into the chat box. But yeah, that's a that's sort of a staple for all of our WordPress instances. And I think you actually had someone ask. I think this was one of the questions on your Trello board. I'm not sure. I don't, don't remember who it was, what the name, who the name was. But the question was, should I use WordPress.org or WordPress.com? Yeah. And this is an example of you know of of why you want to use. Um, you know, WordPress.org and actually install this, install a iteration of WordPress and host it yourself um, is because there are 8 million talented developers developing solutions like this one that could do anything in your business. And the only way that you can take advantage of that, you know, is, is by a WordPress instance that, you know, you yourself own and that is hosted by you and not on WordPress.com. And that's sort of like another one of my bugaboos in terms of, you know, we're talking about iTunes and over-focusing on iTunes. Mm. The other one for me is sort of this idea of digital sharecropping, uh, which is, that was a term coined by Nicola, Nicholas Carr. And it's the distribution of, it's a web 2.0 term from way back then. And it's that the, the production of, of content is distributed to many, but the benefits are harvested only by a few. And what we see a lot is, is that when we first start working with clients is they're diluted. Their digital presence is diluted all over the place. They're writing on medium. They're posting on Facebook. They've got a YouTube channel. You know, their, you know, their content is all over the place and it doesn't ever tie together to one central business asset. And we're huge on that. You know, we think that having, and that's why, you know, I'm pro work, you know, having something like wordpress.com as your, as your primary domain, as you know, where all your content lives, where your show notes are, where your YouTube channels are shared from. And then it goes out from there. You know, when you're sharing on social media, um, you know, don't share your iTunes episode from within the app store, you know, don't share a, a Stitcher episode from where it lives on Stitcher. Don't share YouTube from your YouTube channel. What we do is, you know, we share it from our website's show notes so that that's the thing that has a chance of being discovered, of be getting shared and of going viral. And for me, that was sort of the answer to that question around like, hey, WordPress.com or WordPress.org is, you know, don't digitally share crop, you know, have go for WordPress.com. Yeah. Anybody I know, it's kind of interesting whether it's, you know, you're using the Podbean page or a Libsyn page or WordPress.com because it's free. It seems like, or Squarespace is another one. And Squarespace looks like, man, this thing will do everything. And it seems like inevitably you will come up with a scenario that you go, oh, I, I wish this did that. this. Yeah. yeah, and that's where you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to move. Because I, I I have people uh, that they'll say, well, what are you going to do? Oh, I just, I'm just going to do this. I want to get the message out and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, I said, actually, in that case, you know, if you're going to use Podbean, use the Podbean page or Libsyn, use the Libsyn page. It's a great place to listen and subscribe to your show. And they do it for six, seven months and they go, we're thinking of selling t-shirts. Then I'm like, okay, you can kind of do some of that. And then they're like, oh, okay, now we want to grow an email list. And and they start getting more and more into kind of the business end of things. And all of a sudden, like, how do I do A-B testing on a Libsyn site? And you're like, yeah, that's not going to work. So I'm with you. I'm like, let's just start on WordPress.org whatever host you like. I'm a big fan of SiteGround. Um, there are many of them out there and I'm just like, why not? Cause I don't know about to me. Uh, I, I, I used to be married to a woman whose hobby was moving like every other year we were moving and I'm here to tell you it's not fun. And it's also not fun when you're moving websites, uh, even though it's just in some case it's export and import and clone and it's still a hassle. So I'm like, why not start where you're going to end up and, uh, and go that route. Um, so, uh, we do have a, a question here in the chat room. Scott says in my stats, what's the difference between listeners who used Apple core media, uh, iPhone and iTunes? Um, yes, you just, ain't, it's, one listened on an iPhone and one iTunes is the, the old, it's the old uh, iTunes is back in the day. Uh, I think it has like still 17%. I'd have to go ask Rob, but iTunes is the desktop software, the ugly, Loaded, 
My show notes look like Kaka uh, software on your desktop. Um, I always just lump them together because there's there's Apple Core Media, there's iTunes, and then there's iTunes Stored is another one. And to me, I just look at all three of those and go, "Yep, Apple stuff." I'm not really that worried about where I just want them to listen. I don't, I don't, do you, do you dig that deep into the weeds? You're again with that kind of stuff. Well, with the analytics. Um, yeah. Like, do you care if it's on iTunes or the Apple podcast? Do no, I, I care about website visits mostly. <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. Um, Carrie says I redid my website last September and it was so, yeah, exactly. So if you, you know, I, I always say start where you want to end up and I realize, you know, with sometimes you're like, yeah, but the website is, I don't know, $12 a month or something like that. And a lot of times it's less than that, but okay. You know, you play Frisbee or if you go bowling, every hobby has a, has a fee to it. So I, I know it, it would be great if it was free, but it would also be great if, you know, unicorns were roaming out in the yard and things of that nature. And I forgot to copy the name of the person who said this, but they said, I've been podcasting for a little while now and I'm still finding it hard to engage with new or even longtime listeners, have you been able to overcome this obstacle and continue to build and grow your audience? Um, the one I see, and then you're going to see if you have any ideas. The one that always amazes me is I'll have somebody say, I'm not getting any feedback from my show. And I go out to their website and there's no contact page. That's the one I'm always like, wait, how? Yeah, or they'll say, "Well, I say, you know, email Dave at School of Podcasting in the uh, in the in the episode." And I'm like, "Yeah, but if maybe you finally got them to go to your website, and they're like, wait, was it support? It wait, info? What was the email? What are what are some of the things you see people do when they're trying to get people to engage? Like, is there any other low hanging fruit? I realize I took the really easy answer. Do you, can you think of anything else? The low hanging fruit. Well, I, I, you know, I do think that, um, you know, having a URL, a custom URL or a URL shortener to for every episode so that you can mention it on the air a lot and, you know, have then something to offer. So if you're, you know, if you want feedback, if you are wanting your listeners to, um, ask questions, for example, um, if you, you know, you, you need to mention, you know, a place to go for them. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not just your podcast homepage. Maybe you can have something different to try on every episode. So if it's a, you know, if it's a downloadable, if it's a, you know, an option, even if it's like a look, jump on a consulting call for me. I mean, I'm coming from a business perspective again. Sure. So I apologize for that. But, um, but still, you know, being able to say something like my show.com slash E1 or my, you know, go to, go to slash E1 and, you know, contact us or announce a Q and A episode to your list. It depends on how big your list is, but we're going through a launch right now where a guy who's got a couple of books out, he's reasonably well known. He's sending out a blast to his, uh, you know, to his email list saying, look, um, you know, ask me dating questions because we're going to do a whole episode you know, for you to be, cause you'd be able to dial in, go live like Dave does, right? I mean, this is awesome. You know, you can, you can just dial in, you can have a chat box, you know, like, I mean, it's a little bit more of a challenge to record a live show. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, no, I'm very sure. But, um, you know, but maybe there, maybe there are some ways in which, uh, you know, to try. Oh, I think we're leaving out something, Dave, on this. Yeah. It's well, just, I, I, Michael Hyatt used to do a great thing where he, again, would have an easy like a, a link shortener and he would at the end of his his episode he would say uh well today we talked about such and such if you have any questions on that uh go out to shortenedlink.com next week we're going to talk about such and such if you've ever had that experience so he he asked them very specific questions it wasn't mm -hmm. what do you think of this um it was very it was a little more specific than that Although if you, you know, what do you think of this topic is that specific as opposed to, Hey, you know, send us feedback. Well, no, it's like, no, what do you think about whatever? It's a little, little more, it's less work for the, the listener because you've asked them a specific question. It's kind of like if I were to ask Jurgen, why did you get into podcasting versus tell us a little bit about yourself? Cause he can go anywhere. Why is, you know, from Germany and this and that, whereas when did you get into podcasting? He doesn't have to think about it. Oh, that's a specific answer. So I think if you can give your audience 
a, a little clear path of exactly what you're looking for. And then what I do is I've seen people do this. Oh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Bookface and, you know, whatever.io and leave out the ease and what I school of podcasting.com slash contact. So if you want to, you can use SpeakPipe, you can use my email, you can call in my voicemail. It's all there, schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. And that kind of goes back to the link shortener that just makes life a uh, a whole lot easier. I did want to yeah. tie this in with one thing somebody asked about. And then uh, this was from Jack. And he said, uh, I'm producing a podcast for, he says, participants in quotation marks, almost like a game show. We need various 100% random guests with a rotating core uh, of, of panelists. Any suggestion on or in an organic way to find participants? I do not want to go through casting. The last line is the one that threw me. <laughs> um, because here's my worry about this. Uh, if you're A, you're, you're, you're trying to do something that requires an audience, and depending on who you are, you may not have one yet. I, I did this exact thing. I did a show called The Dates from Hell Show, and I thought it would be based on my audience's stories that they would send in. The problem is I didn't have an audience, so I didn't have any stories. And then my worry is by not doing any kind of casting, you're going to let anybody on your show. That could be really entertaining, and it could also blow up in your face. I don't know. What, what do you think, Jurgen? Yeah, it's a, you know, <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean, I think one, you know, maybe an idea would be to run a contest, you know, like we did, um, you know, like the launch contest for podcast launchers and to get iTunes reviews. That was a method that worked really well a couple of years ago when reviews really were a critical part of whether you would make it into the new and noteworthy section, you know, harken back to over focusing on iTunes for a second, yeah. but, um, <laughs> But, you know, still, you know, running those contests can be a really effective way. And I'm thinking like, hey, if you go to some of those contest platforms, we did a whole episode on that. And that. I think that was episode uh, on, on these platforms and how to launch contests. And actually, I'm giving away a whole podcast equipment package um, starting next week, you know, doing something very similar. But the idea is this. You can, you know, some of those contest platforms allow you to, you know, to have ask multiple questions and to pre-qualify um, and, you know, basically get them to fill out a survey or, you know, answer a number of questions. And if you ask the right questions, then maybe that can take, play, take the uh, place of the casting, which he yeah. doesn't want to do. Right. Um, now you'd have to give something away. I think much like maybe with the podcast launch, it's, it's not about the, the cost of the prize. It's more about the relevance to it. Uh, so if you could find, you know, kind of a cool giveaway that would have a chance and probably you would have to spend very little money on Facebook to promote that and, you know, to get a throttle on just how many entrants you want to actually receive. Because, you know, I guarantee if you put a couple of hundred bucks in Facebook ads next to a, you know, well done contest, you're going to get a ton of entries. Um, and if you set the contest software up in a way that could pre-qualify the contestants you know you you know to to be invited onto the game show that's something that you could sort of automate the process with yeah absolutely right now you do your show in seasons right yes that's you know sort of a pod fading excuse i think okay uh, <laughs> in terms of you know but i think seasons give you a lot of flexibilities because you know you can you can have a topic and you can have a particular goal so the first season for me was the solo experiment of doing both YouTube, you know, and some pretty fancy video things and other kinds of, but it's exhausting. Like it took so much work. The second season, I'm hoping to actually invite existing podcasters to talk about what they did to promote and grow their show, what worked for them and nice. what would they recommend, you know, for others. So, you know, that might be a little bit easier season than maybe an audio only one, do but that's kind of the reason, right? Like in yeah. the stag to, to, to do sure. seasons that way. Do you know when season two is coming out? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> within a month, within a month or so. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you can find Jurgen over at podcastgrowthshow.com. Yes. Podcastgrowthshow.com. Any other websites we want to plug? Um, you know, it's really part of Polymash. And if you, if you Google Polymash podcasting or, you know, podcast content strategy, I mean, that's the 
our focus has been on discoverability via Google. And so, you know, there's a whole, whole lot of podcast related keywords that we rank for on page one. Nice. And, you know, the nice thing is there's, there's something about, there would be a great topic. Content distribution of show notes is a methodology that's gotten our show, even though it's only a month old, has gotten three or four of those episodes on page one of Google. And I'm getting traffic and I've had to stop accepting clients from it. So that might be a topic for the future. There you go. Yeah, it's that's always a good problem when you say, oh, wow, I, I got too much. Business. I have a, a few people that have started a podcast and they had to quit their podcast because they got too many clients. Uh, John Dennis, who's one of the guys behind uh, uh, PodFest, um, had that problem. And I, I said, man, what did you like, what did you do? And he goes, I just put out some of my best like tips and tricks. And he, one of them was like a this huge company had, had, had contacted him and things like that. So uh, on the, um, so, so uh, let's see, we have a minute, 21 seconds. So season two, do you know what season two is going to be about? Well, it's about interviewing other podcasters, people, yeah. and people, you know, like people on what, you know, what made their show grow and uh, you know, what have they tried? And then maybe, do like tips and tricks i'm sort of playing with the idea of like hey do i want to do that live i'm not sure i'll ask your advice later yeah uh this week on the school of podcasting is the episode i've been working on for about a month and that is i asked somebody once how do you know your show is good and they kind of slightly actually got offended and i have rephrased that how do you know your content is connecting with your audience and I interviewed a bunch of people and it's really, it's interesting because it's a bunch of people, but it's all answering the same question. How does my content connect? So that'll be out Monday at uh, the school of podcasting.com. We are here every Saturday morning at 1030 Eastern standard time. Ask the slash live. Jurgen, thanks for coming on, buddy. Awesome to be with you. And uh, everybody stick around. We'll be doing some post show. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.